Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Someone's Been Sleeping in My Bed, written by John Gonzalez. Another Hilarious Harry Horn Misadventure Catherine Kane's occupation was celebrity. She had become famous by having affairs with numerous celebrities. To the headline writers, she'd been kitten for years, and to newspaper readers, her appearance was approximately as well known as the Washington Monument, although her proportions were somewhat different. Now Catherine wanted to write a kiss-and-tell autobiography, but she needed Harry Horn to collaborate with her. She also wanted Harry, who had a reputation as a kind of tough guy, for her bodyguard. As she told it, some people out of her past were trying to keep the book from getting finished. Harry agreed to protect her, but in truth, he was a fearless journalist, only when there was nothing to fear. What Catherine neglected to tell him was that some of her old flames were determined enough to silence her that they were already using bullets, and if Harry kept his promise, he would be standing between Catherine and all that lead. It was enough to make any man think twice, but when Harry was looking at Catherine, he couldn't think at all. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Someone's Been Sleeping in My Bed. Chapter 1 People in my business occasionally find themselves in perilous or uncomfortable situations, in some faraway trouble spot often in the company of beautiful or notorious women. I generally avoid these assignments, but one showery afternoon in early April, through no fault of my own, I was on a horse cantering along a bridle path in Central Park, a trouble spot if there ever was one. The girl on the next horse was Catherine Kane, who was beautiful, even wearing a derby, and as notorious as they come. Any reader of the Daily News could tell you that she had a strong dislike for sleeping alone. Cantering may not be the exact word. With each forward step, the animal yawed violently, and before that motion was quite complete, it gave an abrupt upward jolt, meeting my undefended spine as it came down. I was overmatched. A horse weighs half a ton. I weighed 165. Ten pounds under my best weight. I was still in convalescence after mistreatment by a group of off-Broadway hoodlums, now dispersed in jails and cemeteries to the north of the city. The thing for me to do was get off before anything really bad happened. I began to make an announcement, but the saddle came up and dealt me another undeserved buffet below the belt. The word that bumped out of me wasn't the one I started— this was a city horse, and he must have been used to bad language, but he gave a startled jump and took it as a command to break into a gallop. Harry, my companion cried, hold on. I held on to the most convenient object, the mane, although I know this is a serious breach of the code. She spurred her own animal, ranged up alongside, and seized my harness, speaking in a soothing mutter which had an immediate effect upon the horse, and even calmed me down slightly. We galloped side by side, our legs hitting. 
I clenched my teeth to keep them from being scattered about the park like popcorn. All the neighborhood mothers had swung their baby carriages around, hoping to see somebody thrown and trampled. It seems to me that people get bloodthirstier all the time. And of course Catherine Kane was an attraction. A horse runs with a shaking motion, and some of this is transmitted to its rider. Catherine, in riding breeches, full-skirted jacket, and stock, was shaking pleasantly here and there. When celebrities have reached a certain degree of ripeness, the headline writers refer to them by their first names or initials. It is like winning a Nobel Prize or being named Rookie of the Year in other fields. Catherine Kane had been kitten in the headlines for years. Sometimes she acted in movies or was somebody's guest on television, but her fame was mainly based on the romances she was always having with other celebrities. Their fame, in turn, was based on their romances with other celebrities. The kitten had recently been the object of a round-the-world courtship by an oil Arab named Muhammad Ali. They fought in one hemisphere and made up in another, vacationed in the Greek islands and fought again in Kashmir, all in the full glare of world publicity. They broke up for good in a noisy scene between the acts of Don Giovanni at the Paris Opera and the kitten returned to her native shores. There, my managing editor, Myron Alderman, a friend of animals and children but a dedicated enemy of all reporters, approached her with a proposal. She was temporarily between friends. Why not take advantage of the interval and write her life story? By writing, he didn't mean she would actually sit down in front of a typewriter and try to decide where to start. He would send her a man with a tape recorder, who would go over the material later and put it in paragraphs. This literary subspecies has been cluttering up the bookstores for several seasons, running second only to the Civil War. Many members of the talent guilds, bush leaguers compared to Catherine Kane, have made excellent royalties out of confessing their mistakes, and in some instances the book was then sold to the pictures with some other actor or actress in the leading role. After thinking about it briefly, the kitten agreed, and Alderman ran his eye down the magazine masthead to see who was free. I was the lucky fellow. My name is Harry Horn. I generally get crime assignments, and this looked like an agreeable change. I reported for duty at a small non-union restaurant in the East Fifties, where the columnists are never permitted to pay for their drinks. The kitten arrived with a small party, a part-time press agent, a photographer, a tax man, and a secretary. The secretary was a slender blonde named Jane Weed, with the efficient manner of someone who can be counted on not to misplace her employer's correspondence. She wore her hair short so she wouldn't have to bother with it in the morning and would have time to read the papers. In other companies, she would have been sufficiently eye-catching, but she didn't burn brightly enough to be noticed at the same table with the kitten. I probably don't need to describe the kitten. Her appearance is approximately as well known as the Washington Monument, although the proportions are different. She was wearing her hair black this year. Her eyes were green, something I would never have known from newspaper pictures. Her cheekbones were good, though cheekbones were not her most noticeable feature. 
I had been assured by well-wishers at the magazine that the one thing she never wore was a bra. The public wouldn't stand for it. I wasn't yet in a position to give a definite opinion. She had been away a year and all her friends wanted to kiss the perfumed air near her cheek and welcome her back. She had lots of friends, including people I doubted she'd ever set eyes on before. She accepted a phone call from across the continent. An impresario known to be without funds told her about a sensational part he was saving for her in a new musical, and only the din around our table prevented him from singing the score. She gave me an occasional pat to let me know she remembered I was there. There was one empty chair at the table, and halfway through lunch we were joined by a terrible gossip, a somewhat pudgy lady whose misinformation about show business appears in far too many places every weekday. Her name was Priscilla Mangles. Marlon Brando's the only actor who has ever been rude to her, and everybody's surprised he's still working. As soon as the kissing was out of the way, she wanted to know about that enchanting Arab. The kitten groaned. Pris, darling, you certainly choose depressing subjects. I don't blame Mohammed. I hope we'll always be friends. He's such a sweet person, but my, what a mixture. She considered, or pretended to consider. Most of the time he couldn't be more charming. He'd fight dragons for you if he thought you'd like it. Or he'd hire somebody else to, which is almost as impressive. But he has another side, and it's constantly showing through. He grew up in the Middle Ages. Women don't vote in his country. Nobody votes. But even if the men did, the women wouldn't. They wear veils. I don't mean a little dinky something, Pris, but a tent. Slits to see through, and his father keeps slaves. Mohammed claims they're the best treated people in the country. What I mean about Mohammed, one minute you're a female slave, the next minute you're up on a pedestal. He can't decide. I listened uneasily. This couldn't be what Alderman had had in mind. Sounds fascinating, Priscilla said. But as a steady diet? The kitten thought for another moment. He's a spoiled boy. Hearing a phrase she might be able to misquote, Priscilla dipped into an oversized bag for a notebook and a tiny jeweled pencil. For an instant, as she made the entry, her features sharpened. Underneath the top layer, she resembled an overweight coyote. Don't put the pencil away, the kitten said. This, I really think, might make an item for you. I'm writing my story. Darling, you aren't. I absolutely am, with some talented assistance from Mr. Harry Horn. Her hand touched mine. Do you two know each other? Some of Priscilla's smile dripped off her face and splashed on the table. I've seen Harry's stuff. She made a circle with her thumb and forefinger, a generous tribute from one pro to another. A-OK. -okay. I managed to keep from blushing. But this is bad news for me personally, Priscilla went on with a pretty half-pout. I've always had in the back of my mind that someday, when I had a minute, but you made a smart pick, kitten. Harry can write rings around me. The kitten held up her hands. It never occurred to me you might be available, darling. I'll never understand how you carry the load you do, all your charities. Well, you're right, 
Priscilla said. I'm committed up to here. I couldn't take time to do it justice. And I wish you all the luck in the world. I've always said what a fabulous career. I don't know about fabulous, the kitten said. I just want to be absolutely honest. I don't intend to make excuses. I want my readers to say, this is the way it was to be such a girl in the middle of the twentieth century. This is why she did some of those things she did. I met the eye of the kitten's secretary. I had to grope for a moment to remember her name, Jane Weed. I caught a funny expression on her face, as though I was an unrated contender and she was wondering how many rounds I could go against the champ. Priscilla was saying, I'm only asking out of curiosity, but did you consider Gerald Frank at all? Who? the kitten said. He did that wonderful job on Ja, and poor Diana, and Sheila, Lillian. I'm told he's thinking of Pat Nixon for his next, but that's in the rumor stage so far. I doubt if he's any better than Harry, the kitten said loyally. I've been hearing marvelous things about the guy. Oh, absolutely, Priscilla agreed. Harry's right up there. As a matter of fact, I said, I haven't decided if I'm the right man for it. I was still looking at Jane Weed and something flicked into her eyes. I went back to my eggs, Benedict. After coffee, most of us returned to the kitten's hotel, where we were met by another small crowd of her old friends who all wanted something. The kitten excused herself and reappeared presently in riding habit. She gave me a signal with her well-maintained eyelashes. Harry, will you drive me? I want to talk to you. A yellow Alfa Romeo waited for us at the Park Avenue entrance. Priscilla, the overweight gossip, had come down with us in the elevator, and on the sidewalk she said impulsively, Do you know, I think I'll come with you if there's room. The kitten assured her there was plenty of room, which was not exactly true. The kitten sat in the middle, nearly spitted on the gear shift. Priscilla kept squirming. Traffic was heavy and I had to keep shifting gears. I apologized every time I went from second to high. An automatic transmission saves labor, but a hand shift keeps the driver alert. Shifting gears between those whipcord riding breeches kept me so alert that by the time we reached the riding stable I could have used a sedative. The kitten's press man was there with another photographer. He took a picture of the kitten and Priscilla, smiling cordially at each other, and then at the press man's insistence of the kitten and me. I tried not to look sheepish. Harry, if we're going to get any privacy, you'll have to come out in the park with me, the kitten said. I ordered another horse. Pris, darling, there's a charming bar over on Amsterdam. It was filled with construction workers the last time I was there, in those cute yellow helmets. These are ours, Harry. A battered old negro led up two evil-looking animals, one of which showed me his teeth in a broad sneer. No thanks, I said. I'll wait here. I grew up on the IRT, and all I know about horses is that you feed them at the front end. I know you aren't dressed for it, she said. But if you could walk him across the street, we'll find a bench. Priscilla laid a damp hand on my arm. Don't bully the man, kid. 
Harry's going to have a little drink with Pris. Because I wanted to ask you, Harry, you probably know that I've been writing pieces for the fan magazines, but in that market they don't let you really get to grips with your subject. I was wondering what sort of reception my stuff would get at your shop. They might go for it, I said. Why not talk to Alderman? He's a little rough, I've heard, she said doubtfully. No, no, that's just his manner. My disposition much improved by the thought of Priscilla and Alderman confronting each other, I reached tentatively toward the horse. He clacked his teeth and I put my hand in my pocket where he couldn't get at it. If you had something a little more gentle and not so big. The groom chuckled robily. Old Albert's like a lamb, fourteen years of age. We keep him for our old ladies, not a mean bone in his body. The animal snarled, not like a lamb, but like a tiger. I didn't think we could be talking about the same horse. Priscilla stepped up the pressure on my arm. He looks fierce to me. Come and have a drink. The kitten gave me a look that would have boiled water. Between having a drink with Priscilla and going for a horseback ride with the kitten, I had to choose the horse. I pulled my hat down firmly put a foot in the stirrup the groom was holding for me, and swung up in the saddle. The groom handed me a riding crop. So far, it was easy enough. I was wearing a raincoat, and I probably looked ridiculous, but who was looking at me? The kitten took the reins of the other horse and floated up and over. There was an interesting play of muscle. She had a marvelous seat on a horse. I'll go further. She had a marvelous seat anywhere. The photographer raised his camera, but I warned him away. The click of the shutter might have alarmed my horse. We left the stable at a sedate walk and stopped for a light at Central Park West. When the light changed, he started across without any instructions from me. Brakes squealed. Somebody had recognized the kitten. The groom hadn't overpraised old Albert. He continued phlegmatically, ignoring the disturbance, and turned onto the bridle path. There, he assumed, wrongly, that I would want him to speed up. Whoa, goddammit. Unfortunately, I was giving him two contradictory orders at the same time. He rocked me back in the saddle and my heels came up against his ribs. It was either that or fall off. This was at 69th Street. I lost a stirrup at 73rd. The kitten caught us at 74th and just in time, too. I grabbed her knee. By the time she had us calmed down, we were considerably further uptown. Harry, is it really true you've never been on a horse? Why, no. I used to ride merry-go-rounds all the time. Now, if you don't mind, I think I'll go back and have that little drink with Pris. Now, now, she said in the same soothing voice she'd been using on the horse. There's a bench up ahead, but don't kick him anymore. It confuses him. I kept hold of her knee with one hand and old Albert's mane with the other. We lurched up to the bench and dismounted. She did it the right way. I slid off. The ground went on trembling for a while as though it was having trouble settling down after a traumatic explosion. I still had the riding crop. Horses, after all, are rapidly becoming obsolete, though the process isn't moving fast enough to suit me. Nothing like fresh air and exercise, 
I said, sitting down. I'll take a cab back. She looped both reins over the hitching rail and joined me. Now listen, before Priscilla pops up out of the bushes, what was that bit about you don't know yet if you're going to do this damn book? I signed something. First serial rights, probably, I said. Somebody will work with you. It doesn't have to be me. There's a girl at the office who does our stories about British royalty. She'd enjoy this. Well, I wouldn't, she said. What's bothering you, Harry? That quote I gave Pris about Muhammad being only a spoiled boy? It doesn't exactly bother me, but it isn't my type of line. My PR man wrote it for me, and you may have noticed that Priscilla gobbled it up. But I see your point. She stretched her long legs and waggled the toes of her riding boots. I wouldn't tell Priscilla this, but a non-romantic like you might do something with it. Mohammed has a chateau north of Paris with a big stone wall around it. The last time I was out there, he had a ballet company for the weekend. I try to keep an open mind, Harry, but honestly. She told me about the weekend, which had been a full one. I was beginning to feel better. He's a spoiled kid, all right, but we can't use that. The postmaster general wouldn't allow it. I wouldn't allow it, she said. My ex-friend has his own plane and a bunch of hot-blooded relatives, and some of those boys are very creepy and anti-woman. He'd be over here by return mail. Arabs don't like to be criticized, so let's not criticize him, okay? Okay. Just one question. How much of that about the weekend was true? She gave me another signal with her eyelashes. Not all, Harry. But I didn't like your idea about putting a woman rider on me. That wouldn't be much fun. What do we tell Priscilla? That you'll do it? I sighed. If I don't have to do any more horseback riding. Harry, that's marvelous. Then we can get started tonight. Do you want to shake hands on it? But people in the kitten circle don't shake hands much. They kiss. I haven't led a sheltered life, and girls kiss me now and then, but there's something a little extra about being kissed warmly on the mouth by Catherine Kane. It's like being photographed by Karsh of Ottawa. After all, I decided to ride back. I didn't recognize the scenery, but I knew we must be in the upper 80s and it would be a long walk. I jammed my hat down again, stepped on the bench, and from there mounted old Albert. He didn't like it, but he too was willing to try. The kitten showed me how to hold the reins and we started downtown. There, she said. Isn't that easy? I had begun to understand the principle behind the contortions the horse was going through. Yeah, but don't make any sudden noises. I would have knocked wood if there'd been any within reach. The kitten's horse was moving at a slight angle so she could keep her eye on me. I went on concentrating, making the necessary adjustments. The path curved to the right and skirted the low stone wall marking the park's boundary. Suddenly... Far from doing what I had asked and refraining from noise, the kitten yelled and wheeled in against me. My horse jumped. The hell with the reins. By grabbing the mane with both hands, I managed to stay on. 
as old Albert went back on his hind legs, as though auditioning for a job with the rodeo. The kitten's cry passed into a scream. Albert came down stiff-legged, tossing his head and made a jolting half-turn. That was when I saw the man and the gun. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Someone's Been Sleeping in My Bed. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.